This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Mike Sedita. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 140 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sedita, and I'm joined today by Larissa Green. She is business development with Advanta IRA. Larissa, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Thank you so much for being on. I am not quite sure how familiar you are with what the Good Neighbor Podcast is, but just to kind of get you up to speed, the Good Neighbor Podcast was started in 2020 as a way for businesses, entrepreneurs, local charities to get their message out to the community while we still had to be socially distant here in Florida. And the nice thing is, since then, in the last now going on four years, the Good Neighbor Podcast has developed into a national brand. We have podcasts in Denver, Virginia, Atlanta, all over the United States. I'm the person here in Tampa that's fortunate enough to talk to folks like you. So with that being said, tell us a little bit about Advanta IRA. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, So Advanta IRA is a self-directed retirement firm. And basically what we do, although I feel like the the term self-directed means a lot to a lot of people, what it means to us is basically we're holding retirement accounts and other qualified funds that are making investments outside of the market. So typically a retirement account, a health savings account, an education savings account, these are invested into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And so what we do is we hold the account, our clients are finding their own investment outside of the market, and then we help them get it done in the name of the qualified account, and we do the record keeping per IRS rules. So we're not competing with brokerage firms, we're really just filling the gap in the industry. So if you said, hey, I want to invest in a private mortgage or I want to buy real estate in my IRA or even something like cryptocurrency, typically your brokerage firm isn't going to handle that for you. And so we open the account with us, you move over just what you want, and then you can self-direct it into those private investments. Okay, so a couple quick questions from that is, um, I'm assuming, and again, I, you know, you know, my mom used to say about assuming, but... I'm assuming what you guys do is all fee based. So it's based on, is it based on AUM or is it, is it based on strictly accounts? Like, is it assets under management with, with a client or is it the amount of activity that they do depending on the, the number of self-directed vehicles that they might invest in? So we actually have both options um, because typically people are moving over just what they want for their very first investment. And sometimes it grows from there. But that's pretty typical. And so we have an option based on the per asset structure. And then we also have an option based on the value. So value usually makes sense if you're investing, you know, less than 15000 or over a certain amount. Right. If your investments are short term, you know, so you're really sort of moving that money quickly into new investments, things of that nature. But usually what we try to do is, you know, ask the client, okay, what is it that you're thinking about doing? And then choosing the option that makes the best sense for them. But they're also not committed for the life of the account. They can change the the option when it makes sense for them to do so. Okay. So that brought me into my next question is someone comes to you and they say, you know, round number, hey, I have 20 grand. I want to invest it. I want, I want it to be self-directed. I want to use your service. I'm thinking about doing gold bars, or I'm thinking about doing, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the investment is, crypto, okay? Mm -hmm. Do you guys also provide a a service where you say, you know, here's, like, if they say, I'm not really sure, I want to do commodities, and you guys give them 
multiple options. Do you give them some guidance in that regard or is it really them self-directing it? It is truly them self-directing it. We don't put borrowers and lenders together, so to speak. We don't have a list of investment providers they can call. It's really going to be up to them to put on their entrepreneurial hat, find those investments that they're looking for. Now, we do give some guidance. So if they said, okay, well, what paperwork do you need to see? How is this done? What structures can I use? We do education every week ourselves, usually two web, uh, webinars a week where we're talking about what the IRS allows, how investments are structured, different investment options we've seen. And we also do invite um, guests on our webinar that are talking about various investments and how to do due diligence, for example, or what paperwork looks like. So there's always education going on so that we can help give the um, clients some understanding of how this works but ultimately the investments are their own and they're going to come to us and say, okay, I want to buy one, two, three main street. How do I do that? And then we give them the information that we need to see. Or if they said, Hey, Lars, I really want to buy gold bars, but I don't know of a dealer. Then I would say, you know, I have to check if I can provide a list of four or five dealers, then I might do that. But we're super careful in reminding the client that they have to do their own due diligence on the dealers that they're looking at. So essentially, to break it down, like into layman's terms, you're giving them the roadmap. They're choosing the car that they want to drive and the road they want to go down on that map. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, to do this line of work, as far as a firm goes, and you personally, is there licensure? Who is there a fiduciary responsibility to the client? Or is by you saying, hey, look, you do your due diligence you guys don't have that connection where you have to do that. You're just providing this particular service as the avenue for them to go. That's correct. We're really just the record keepers, so to speak. Um, we're considered a third-party administrator. So okay. our role is really just the paperwork. So we make sure that everything is in the name of the IRA, for example. We hold onto those records. We receive the income we um, also do the IRS reporting for certain accounts. Um, and so we're really the, the bookkeeper, so to speak, for the IRA right. for IRS rules. Um, you know, and, and that's important because the IRS does require you to have a third party administrator between you and your IRA funds. So you can't open a bank account and say, hey, I'm going to call this an IRA, right? And move my brokerage account into that bank account. And now oh, I'm, I'm all set. It's, it's an IRA. Yeah. yeah so, so they need our help. Um, but outside of that, we are truly just a bookkeeper, so to speak. And so we do make sure that all documents are properly titled. But as far as when we receive documents, we're not going, oh, this is a good investment or this is the rate of return you should receive. We're really not looking at that. And we're, right. it's important to us to inform the client so that they can involve other professionals in their team. So their accountant, their advisor, their attorney. And if they don't have those professionals, we do have professionals that have worked with our clients before that we can give out names for so that we can say, hey, we can't review this um, purchase contract for you, but we know of real estate attorneys that are familiar gotcha. with self-directed IRAs that can help you. So um, from an from a ideal client perspective, I mean, are your client, I would think your clients are uh, skew a little bit older or do you have clients 25 to 65. I mean, I would think it probably skews a little bit older, but maybe not. Because you can self-direct at any age. If you have a U.S.-based retirement account, our clients are all ages. I mean, we all even ages. have um, individual. Yeah, we even have individuals who open, you know, Roth IRAs for their um, teenage kids who have earned income and they want to get them started young. And, you know, they see the benefit of self-directing those accounts. And so, you know, truly our clients are all ages. 
So let me ask you this question from an investment standpoint. <clears throat> is there like a guard? Like, I mean, I would think again, again, I'm making assumptions and you could correct me because I'm just, you know, hosting a podcast here, but I would think a lot of people self-directed kind of play in that real estate market. Is that a big component to what you guys do? Is it a lot of commodities or is it still traditional stocks and people going through the market? I would think they could do that. They could do that on their own. But what do you guys see like a trend where a big chunk of your business falls under one umbrella? Um, I would say that, a lot of people like to be able to invest in real estate and a self-directed IRA is a really neat way to go because if you aren't super liquid as far as personal cash goes, then typically our IRAs tend to be the most liquid assets we hold, right? Because we can just literally sell stock and now it's cash and it can be moved over to a self-directed account to buy real estate. But um, there's a lot of different asset classes based around real estate. And I would say right. within that sort of umbrella, yes, that would be the most common investment. So things like, yes, buying real estate, but also investing in um, uh, private equities, you know, so investing into partnerships where you're not really, you're sort of hands off, you're the limited partner, but somebody else, some other general partners are um, directing that money into things like apartment complexes. And or somebody um, like a BlackRock. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, and then also private mortgages. So we see a lot of people um, lend money tied to um, some property, typically um, investor owned property for gotcha. the purpose of a private mortgage. Um, and so there's a lot of um, opportunity. We see people invest in tax liens, for example. So, you know, in Florida, tax lien season is coming up sort of May, June. And so we see a lot of investment um, opportunity there and also a lot of interest. So, those so of kind of clarify that a little bit for me. So who I don't a lot quite... of it is real estate based, but. Yeah, we have a little bit of a delay because of your Internet. But so give me a like what, you say it's foreclosure season in Florida. So what does that mean? People are getting their notices that they have a tax liability that needs to be paid. And those houses, those properties are being auctioned. Um, tax lien season, not not necessarily foreclosure. Um, but if you fail to pay your real estate taxes, then the county will put a lien on the property. And because the county doesn't want to lose out on that revenue, then they auction off those liens. Right. And that, that usually happens in our area anyway, the Tampa Bay area, May, June. And so then individuals um, will go and purchase those liens so that the county doesn't lose out on their revenue. But then the individuals that hold the lien, they will get some um, interest rate from holding that lien. And eventually, um, typically, the tax bill does get paid by the property owner. Um, and when they pay it, instead of paying the county, then they're paying off that lien and the proceeds go to the lien holder at some interest rate. And tax liens are typically unique where they start out at a high percentage. And when they're being auctioned, the percentage comes down typically and whatever the um, awarded individual or in our case, IRA account um, receives that's, you know, so if they receive the tax lien at 12%, then that's the interest rate they're going to earn when the property owner pays off that lien. So there's not necessarily foreclosure associated with this every time. It's typically in, in the sense that I'm speaking of anyway, it's just a lien on the property for real estate taxes not paid. Gotcha. But that lien, one way or another, it's getting paid. So if I hypothetically, I go in and buy that tax lien and I pay the outstanding tax of $10,000, I pay it. And I am mm -hmm. agreeing to get 
15% interest. Is there a time frame mm-hmm. where either the person who is living in the property that's, that has the lien against them has to pay it or the house gets sold and then I recoup my money in the sale of the house? Is there, so either way, they're get, the person who pays for that lien for the, the homeowner, they're getting their money. It's secured by the property, no? Yeah, the the um, in the state of Florida, we're what what we consider a tax lien state. Um, and so, what happens in the state of Florida is um, every year that real estate taxes go unpaid, a new lien is issued and auctioned off. So, even though you hold one lien, if it doesn't get paid off right away, and then next year there's another lien, you don't necessarily get that, but it goes to auction, and somebody could also get that lien. And after two years, one of those tax um, lien holders could push the property to foreclosure so that they get paid back or they could get paid back. There's more steps in there, um, which could probably be a whole podcast. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely an investment where the cool thing about tax liens, you don't need a ton of money to get started with those. And there are a lot of books out there, a lot of um, even podcasts and schools, so to speak, where they teach you about tax liens. So if that's something that people are interested in for their retirement account, I would definitely encourage you to learn about them because there's a lot of information out there. Yeah, I know Pinellas County puts out a whole, there's a whole website in Pinellas County that lists anybody that has a tax liability that they're subjected to this option to buy. Um, So what you do is it's not really anything that's garden variety. Everything is because you have, you know, a, 200 different investors with 200 different accounts. I mean, I'm making that number up. It's probably more than that, but everybody can have a different interest and investment. So you guys have to be versed in so many different disciplines, right? I mean, like, so how many folks do you guys have that, that do this? And is their background like legal? Like, I mean, like, what is the, like, I'm trying to think of who the person is who's sitting in your office going, okay, let's look and see, uh, let's look into how we do gold and let's look into how we do real estate. I mean, there's a whole bunch of nuance to each one of those things. Yeah, that that is true. Um, all of our account managers that handle transactions in all kinds of investments, um, but also it's a learning experience as well. I mean, we typically for transaction management, um, we uh, promote within so that they're already familiar with our documents and what we see. Um, But surprisingly, a lot of investment documents are very similar. Um, Even though we have people invest in things like racehorses, alpaca, cattle, farmland, vineyards, breweries, a lot of these things, depending on the investment structure, the paperwork is going to be very similar. So it could be a purchase contract, for example. It could be a limited partnership or a joint venture agreement contract. So a lot of it is going to be pretty similar. Not to say that we don't see unique investments and unique paperwork, um, but, you know, we're, you know, used to seeing that in our in our um, business. And we do have um, individuals that can review in case, you know, the account manager hasn't seen like something like this before. So that was actually you like segued perfectly into my next question. What is the craziest most like did someone want to invest in an ant farm? Like what is the weirdest, craziest thing somebody's invested in where you guys are sitting there going, wow, I never would have thought of that. So we actually do a webinar um, every few months on the most unique investments, and we have covered a lot of very unique investments. And, you know, we always like to say invest in what you know best. And so just because we haven't seen it before, it doesn't mean it won't be done eventually. So I've had um, clients invest in um, crypts 
So literally in a cemetery, there were crypts available. It's deeded real estate. The client purchased them um, at, at a discount from somebody who was just not wanting those um, that area anymore and um, resold them um, in a couple of years. Yep. After, um, you know, they saw a, an appreciation on that. Um, we had a client invest in a sports team. I've had clients invest in movie projects. And actually, um, I spoke at a... Um, a film festival in Orlando a couple of years ago, because we also talked to people about how to raise capital for their private and small business using IRA accounts. And I was talking about movie projects one time and I had a lady come up to me and say, you know what, I go to film festivals every year. It'd be really great if you could come and speak to, you know, the producers and talk to them about how they could raise capital, letting know, letting people know they can use retirement accounts to make that investment. So we've seen movie projects, um, cattle I mentioned and um, racehorses. We had individuals invest in alpaca, 18 wheelers, uh, actually a couple different transportation. It's not limited to investments in the U.S. It could be outside of the U.S. too. So I have clients that own uh, property outside of the U.S. So and investments like um, private uh, companies outside of the U.S. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Wow, that, that's very, very interesting. I, uh, I always laugh at the alpaca stuff. I have a whole alpaca story, but we that's the podcast isn't long enough for that. So <laughs> Tell me a little bit about, I mean, this is, this is heady stuff. I mean, I, you know, I worked for a woman, you know, 35 years ago who said, you know, money is the oldest taboo. People will tell you about their sex life, their drinking, their, the drugs that they've done in their life. They'll tell you anything and everything. But when it comes to money, everybody's very, very tight lipped and it's very secure and everybody hangs on to that and keeps it close to the vest. You're dealing with people's, you know, retirement, their investment, all that stuff. It can get very, very heady. You personally, you're going and educating. What do you do when you're not in the office? What do you do for fun? Do you play golf? I mean, I would think in the investment business, you'd have to go play golf while you're educating people, but maybe you're not good at golf. Maybe you like to skydive. What do you do for fun? Um, I don't like golf. <laughs> um, and I don't skydive, but I like to go kayaking. Um, I have three kids, so we're out at the beach. My son plays baseball. We do a lot of sports stuff. My daughter's in What ages are the kids? Except- 11, 8, and 2. Oh, those are good 8. Well, 11 and eight's fun. 2, it's just kind of following them around, screaming and, and kind of going crazy, right? Um, so, so your son plays sports. You're, you're kind of packing up the car and going from event to event. That's probably a big chunk of your free time, I would assume. Yes, that, that is correct. Yeah. We do um, all-stars and we are on a travel ball team and we do track and soccer and everything you can think of. So we have a good time with it. So Advanta IRA, are you guys strictly in the Tampa area or do you have clients that are in, you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin and Sacramento, California, or do you stick to the tri-county area here in Tampa? So we're actually nationwide and we're worldwide. So meaning that if you have a U.S.-based retirement account, we can assist you. It's really that simple. So, you know, even if you live abroad, if you're working for a U.S.-based company or you lived in the U.S. or had a U.S retirement account at some point, you can self-direct it. Um, and we can help you with anything that ends in IRAs. So traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, SEPs, simples, 401ks. And then I mentioned also health savings accounts and education savings accounts as well. So do you, I mean, is there other branches of Advanta IRA in other cities or you, when you say you handle people nationally, like if you know somebody that like, do you, how do you get people outside of the Tampa area? How, like, how do they come to you? 
So we do a lot of education um, and that has really helped us grow our reach. Um, we do have an Atlanta office. Um, that Atlanta office is for marketing and education, essentially. Um, and we have an associate that's also out of um, South Carolina. Um, but really, because everything pretty much is done over like email, fax, DocuSign these days, we don't necessarily need to be in your area in order for yeah. you to work with us. And so we definitely have a good reach nationally because of that. I mean, so much has changed over the 12 years that I've been with the company as far as how signatures are handled and things like yeah. that. And so that's really helped us grow. And then we also do work with investment providers and because of the networking we do. So, for example, I was just at an event over the weekend. And even though it was here in Tampa, we had people there from all over the country. So if people are raising capital, regardless of where they are, they might be referring their investors over to Advanta. And so we might have a bunch of investors come to us from one area because of that. Well, that, that was going to be my next question. I would assume the way... You might, you know, give referrals to two or three types of service providers, whether that's CPAs or, you know, for financial guys, whatever. I'm assuming they're doing kind of the same thing with you guys with some of their with some of their clientele, because the, the financial service business has changed dramatically. I mean, I, I did it for 20 years uh, and I've been out of it for 12 um, you know, where it used to be the old, you know, you'd call your broker on the phone and it was all fee-based, commission-based, like all that type of structure. And, and now what, what I've seen over, you know, more recently is a lot of it is a fee-based structure. You're paying for that expertise of, a, you know, a, 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 you know, not a CPA, but like a chief financial planner or somebody like that that's actually going to help you with your finances and you pay like a structured fee-based type of thing. Um, the first company I really remember doing something like that was like a Fisher Investments, where everybody else was paying brokers as they go. They were doing mm -hmm. sort of performance-based stuff when I worked with them marketing side, you know, 12 years ago. Um, <clears throat> but they were doing similar stuff, targeting you know, kind of older people, you know, trying to work with their retirements coming out of their 401ks into IRAs and annuities and things like that and shifting them over. Uh, so I could see where you would get referrals from other you know, financial people that are doing that type of structure. Do you, um, you know, as a firm, I don't know if this is more of a personal question or, you know, as a firm question, you've been with the company for 12 years. How long has the company been in existence overall? 20, 21 years, actually, this month. Um, and so we have about uh, 12,000 accounts and a little under um, 3 billion in assets and manage, under management. Wow. Wow, that's great. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It's really one of the questions I like to ask entrepreneurs is, you know, what's a hardship or something you've kind of overcome? Did you guys as a firm, you've been there 12 years. I mean, you've been through now uh, the real estate crash. You've been through COVID. I mean, are those times like the toughest times as a firm where people are coming? I mean, you guys aren't really directing anybody and giving them guidance. So unlike a broker who might have said, hey, invest in gold, uh, Lehman Brothers or whatever that's going mm -hmm. under, uh, you guys don't really have that kind, I would think. But it still has to be a tense period of time for a firm. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, during COVID, because, for example, my job is mostly networking and education. And um, before COVID, 
I was teaching continuing education classes for realtors and um, tax battles. And we were doing a lot of networking and going to networking groups all the time, you know, a couple times a week and stuff. And so during COVID, you know, our, our job changed tremendously, you know, what, what do you do there? You know, if you look back to that, just like you, you said about the podcast, you know, we had to change the way we were networking, you know? And so that was something that we overcame. And, and I mean, it really, has changed the way we do everything at this point. You know, we have networking events on Zoom now, and I host a networking event that is in person and on Zoom. And so, you know, there was a lot of changes there. But I mean, at the end of the day, we figured out how to do them, and it's been great. But yes, it was like, okay, now how do we do our job? And we had to got do a lot pivot. Everybody's got to pivot. Yeah. So let me ask you this: the one thing that if if someone's listening to this, you know, and they're saying, you know, look, I have this nest egg that I want to invest and I want to, you know, do something outside the box. I mean, what's the one thing they need to know if you want them to take away from hearing this? So if you, if you want to truly diversify your portfolio and self-direct, remember that you have to find the investment. We hold the account. We help you title it in the name of the IRA. And so you really want to educate yourself. So start looking at those private investments or alternative investments that you'd like to make and just do your due diligence, start educating yourself. You can join us for our webinars. That's always no cost, no obligation. So just really learning about what is available to you and what it is that you would like to invest in. Because when your money comes over to Advanta, it's just going to sit in a cash position until you put it to work. So the best time to get your account open is when you have decided on the type of investment you want to make and you're working towards making that investment. So we're going to include in the podcast when we put it out, like uh, some information, your website, all that stuff, as far as how people could find out where your seminars are, how they get online to learn about some of the things that you do. But what is the best way if someone's trying to get a hold of you? What's the easiest point of entry? Just give me a call. I have a direct number. You can reach me at 727-754-9963. Awesome. So, folks, if you're listening to this and you have that that investment, uh, the money that's there that you don't know what to do with and you have some ideas and you want to be creative and you don't want to just put it in a CD or, you know, have it sit somewhere where it's not maximizing its growth. Advanta IRA can help you if it ends in IRA and it's a retirement account of some sort. You need to contact Larissa Green. The phone number 727-754-9963. She will help you get started get you going in the right direction as far as finding the right investment vehicles and making sure all your paperwork is uh, in order so you're investing the right way and all your I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Larissa, thank you for being a good neighbor. Thank you for being on the Good Neighbor Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast Passcode. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnppasco.com. That's gnppasco.com or call 813-922-3610.